It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, guys? It is your host, Deontay Daniels and Ed Oliver, back at you guys with another Locked On With This podcast episode. For today's episode, we have a special guest, our guy from Locked On Mavs, Nick Anstead. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling? Gentlemen, it is great to be on the show with you. As you know, I brought you guys into this world, and now I'm going to take you out. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we happen to get busy. Our teams have to do some business, make some phone calls, get some deals done. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It was a surprise to a lot of folks when they seen that Chris Stops Porzingis message pop up on their phone and that notification pop up. So, Ed, let's get right into the first question. All right. So I just want to know what went wrong with Chris Stops Porzingis in Dallas, um, is there something that you guys know that we don't know <laughs> that you guys gave up Christoph's Porzingis for Davies Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie? I'm not sure it's anything that you guys don't know, but it's it's something that you just forget about because you try to overlook it, right? It's it's his injury stuff, right? It's that he's only played in, you know, 60% of the games or, or whatever, like, you know, even less than that if you consider his ACL when he first came over from, you know, from New York. And so, it's his availability, and it's always it was always just the okay. Well, if Christoph Porzingis can do this, if he can do this, if he can do this, if he can do this, it's always the if he can, right? If he can stay healthy, if he can finally start hitting his threes, if he can hit his mid range shot, if he can hit the post shots, and it's just all the what ifs, right? There's so many about him because he is this tantalizing unicorn type player. KD gave him that nickname for a reason because he was one of the few players in the NBA at the time that could space out, shoot the three, that could dribble the ball a little bit and handle, and then can you know block shots and play defense on the other end. And so he has all these tantalizing skills, and it just brings you in. It just, it just reels you in at some point, and then he's just going to – you're going to go through the cycle, right? It's this cycle of 
Porzingis is playing. Okay, he's playing really well. His defense is better. Okay, all of a sudden, maybe he starts hitting some shots. He's a 30-point game. You're feeling really good about him. Dang, can we, we can't even trade this player. This player is an awesome type of player. And then all of a sudden, he gets hurt. And then he's hurt, and you're like, dang, that stinks. Hopefully, he can come back. But then the injury somehow lasts a little longer than you expect. And so then by the end of it, you're like, oh, well, this is not even a tradable contract anymore. And then he comes back on the court, and you go through the cycle again, right? You just keep going through this cycle over and over again. And so... It's not anything you you don't know, but it it is hard to you know see the potential in him and then see the actual product on and then mostly off the court and think, dang, well, what you know, if only he could get to that spot and you'll just be playing the if only game a lot on, on this show probably. Right. Yeah. It, it must have got pretty bad to the point where I mean, you guys threw in a second round pick. Not only did you take Davies, who you know was basically on the end of the bench before Wizards fans were in my mention saying that Hami Shepard should win executive of the year for being able to <laughs> trade the Davis Bertans contract, right? Like that's how bad it was. No, and and they're they're right. I I hold I <laughs> it may have been Ed in my mention. Yeah. <laughs> and then you took on a guy Dinwiddie where there was you know rumors that teammates didn't even like him. You know, he's a shell of himself. So you know for you guys to take on those two guys and two contracts, it just it was almost shocking to me. Um, so it's, something must just be wrong with Porzingis. And I get the injury history. You know, he's played like 54 games last year and then 48 the year before. Didn't even play in 2019 with the ACL injury. So um, I don't know if you guys have a trick up your sleeves or something. <laughs> but that, that's just why I wanted to ask that. He had become a process-stopping player, right? It, it, it had stopped the Mavericks in their their pursuit forward, right? You had, you know, it was Donnie Nelson in his front office that made that trade, and they made it very quickly. Uh, and even we we just recently learned, like, that they didn't even talk to a lot of the rest of the, the front office because, they you know, Bob Volgaris talked about he didn't even get asked about this trade before it happened. It just happened so fast. So they went out and made this trade, and they – um, they wanted to bring in Porzingis as that second star. And it just had become going through that cycle that I mentioned earlier, just that, that cycle of he's injured, he's not injured. He was holding back the team. And on the court, there are times in games where you're like, dang, if he can just be a pick and roll center, a pick and pop center, and he, he can do these things, if he can hit some of these shots, then all of a sudden he's a real valuable player. But when he wants his touches, when he wants to do the, you know, the post-up stuff, if you have to do those things in order to get him engaged on the defensive end, then are you, are you giving up more than you need to in order to get something out of this player? And it's just, it's just become tiring for the, the Mavs. I think we've seen Luca go on the run of his season so far. And am I going to connect it to Porzingis being gone? from the team not not directly but i think he's playing a little more free because he doesn't have that you know holding the team down a little bit and the mavs record was just about the same with porzingis in the lineup as it was out of the lineup so it, it came down to that okay well if all these things are true that i said and the mavs can turn one huge semi-untradable contract into two semi-untradable contracts that are a little bit um that are a little bit less valuable than uh, or you know, you know valued a little less then maybe that's better for the long-term flexibility. That's really what it came down to for the Mavs. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And this is leads into my next question, actually. After everything settled down, after you look at the numbers for Bertans and Spencer Dimwitty, what was your grade for this trade? My grade for this trade is uh, an F for flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on the normal school grading scale, but that's what Nico Harrison, the Mavs, you know, 
GM president of basketball operations said about this trade six times after he was talked about it. He said flexibility six different times. That's that's what it's all about for the Mavs. It comes down to that's what they wanted to do. And, you know, is there a, is there a scenario where Porzingis goes and finally all the ifs become, you know, ands? Like, you know, he does this and he does this and he does this and not if he does this, if he does this, if he does this. Do all those things come true in Washington and all of a sudden the Mavs regret it? Sure, that could happen, but it was not happening for the Mavericks, and it had been three years now that the Mavs have been playing this same game, and so they wanted to move on from it. I'm going to talk to you guys a little later about Dinwiddie and Bertans on how you know those guys should fit in, but maybe those guys are you know a little bit better. They give the Mavs a little more flexibility, and uh, and it turns out to be a decent trade for the Mavericks, but uh, I do think that they took a, they definitely took a step backwards on the court in order to take a, a couple steps forward later down the road. Yeah, I, my personal grade for the Wizards, I gave them a B simply because Tommy Shepard signed the two men to those contracts that he had to get off of. And even though that he brought in an all-star caliber player, if he's available to play, he's still, Ernie Grunfeld did this the previous GM for the Wizards. He always would sign guys to contracts that he eventually had to get off of. And you don't want that to become a habit. So it was a good pickup, you know, risk involved, obviously. But to get off two of your worst contracts on the team, that's always good. But you're putting out spires that you started. So I had gave it a B. That's the Jan Mahinney special, right? To to sign a guy yes. to, to sign a guy to a deal, then to eventually have to try and get off of, of later. Are you guys bought into Porzingis as you know he can come in and be like a second star and he can what are you guys saying to to yourselves about about Porzingis right now and, and buying into it being a, a B level trip for the Wizards? I, I do believe. I think he can be a tease, kind of like you said, where he'll have a couple of games and he'll sit out with a bone bruise for the next 10 games or something like that. Um but yeah, I, I you know, 20 points a game, eight boards. That's what I see from him, especially with this team for the rest of the year. Um, with Bradley Bill being out, he's going to be our number one option. So he's going to get at least 15 shots up a game. Um, and, you know, he could be somewhat of a defensive. At, well, at least, at least 15 yeah. shots. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't see him. I don't, he, he's, he's going to get a lot of shots up with, with the guys mm-hmm. that we have out there right now. We got a lot of young guys playing. Um, but yeah, I'm just cautiously optimistic, kind of like Anthony Davis with the Lakers. You know, I'm not going to get too hyped up that Anthony Davis is going to play a lot of games, you know, but we're going to be optimistic with, with Porzingis. And if he does play, um, he's a super, he's a unicorn. He's a talented player. He does things that a lot of seven foot guys can't do, which is shoot threes and and dribble the ball and and post up. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I think his numbers are going to look good, especially to end this season, because he's going to be able to really have the green light and be that number one. Not have to worry about a superstar ball handler out there next to him that he has to, you know, basically be second fiddle to. Similar to Kyle Kuzma as well. Kyle Kuzma came over to Washington and he's been producing and he's looked good. He has really looked good. The question is, and I'm sure Mavericks fans felt the same way about Porzingis. They thought, oh, we're getting this really good guy until he was barely on the floor. So that's going to be the key, man. If the Wizards get lucky and he's healthy, it's going to be great. But big if at the end of the day, big if. Turns out that's the case. <laughs> Turns out yeah. that's the case with, with Christoph Porzingis. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a interesting thing because the Wizards and guys who have injuries, they, it always scares me. It just... Um, I'm so scared when it comes to the Wizards and guys who have injury history. It tends to not 
work out because of, that's just the Wizards luck and the Washington Wizards franchise luck. <laughs> to get a guy that's that's constantly injured and then to it to continue to to happen. Oh, let me ask you about the let me ask you about some of the other guys. So, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, what was what went so wrong for Spencer Dinwiddie in Washington? The the Kevin O'Connor report that you know he's a shell of himself and all his teammates hate him, right? Like what at a certain point got why, why did it get to that point with Spencer Dinwiddie? Um, so Spencer and Brad, they did not play well together. Um, when Bradley Bill would sit down or, you know, he was injured for a few games, Spencer Dinwiddie would put up 25 points a game. Bradley Bill comes in, they play together. He's averaging about eight or nine points a game. Uh, he can barely move. He, he was a shell of himself. Um, there was something called a grenade shot. I, I, you, you know what a grenade is when they dribble the ball to the 23 second mark and then the last second of the shot clock, they pass it off to somebody else and they shoot the ball from half court. It's basically a, almost a shot clock violation. Spencer Dinwiddie was the king of doing that. <laughs> I don't know if he's done it yet with you guys. Um, and then from off court, from the off the court standpoint, he tried to. He said in the press conference that he tried to be a leader, and that wasn't received well. Um, that was tweeted out by a Wizards beat reporter um, Chase Hughes, and that went viral because it, it just showed the dysfunction and the the to- toxicity of the locker room. Some guys try to be a vocal leader. Some guys just didn't want to hear, you know, um, and guys were just going at each other. We had a couple fights during the season. Um, but, yeah, Dinwiddie, um, he, he did not play like he w- he was in Brooklyn at all. Uh, he was very slow defensively. Defensively, he was a turntable defensively as well. And uh, he couldn't get by guys. He would get up half court and he would have to turn his back to the defense because he just couldn't get past anybody. He would throw up a lot of floaters. A lot. Of, you're going to see a lot of sidestep three-pointers that would brick off the rim as well. Um, so, but – Every time somebody leaves the Wizards, they start to play better. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts playing better. <laughs> yeah, I think that's similar too. If he plays better, similar to Bertans, I wouldn't be surprised because that happens as well with the Wizards and former players. Dinwiddie, just the fit with Bill, it didn't work. When Bill wasn't there, Dinwiddie looked decent. When Bill was there, Dinwiddie just didn't look good. It would be games where... It would be the third quarter, and Spencer Dinwiddie has either zero points or just has like two shot attempts. There will be games where he looks like he's afraid to attack the basket, and he will refuse to attack the basket. And it could have been because of the knee. It probably was because of the ACL. He didn't want to sit out any games to start the season. And, I mean, that's on him. When you're on the court, you're expected to produce. It could get better with the Mavericks, but with the Wizards, no. It just wasn't working out. It was bad. The The shot attempts were bad. At the very beginning of the season, it looked good, though. You know, we were saying Wizards got a closer. He was looking like the closer. But <laughs> everything was looking good in the 10-3 and three start. Uh, after that, just downhill. The health for the Wizards seemed to like be a bad thing for them, right? Like they finally got guys all back together, and it was like, oh, these guys don't fit, and separately it was better for them for them to be separate almost. Yeah, they they got better when a lot of guys went on the health and safety protocol list because it was more it was a smaller rotation. It was at one point guy it was like 12, 13 guys playing games, and you got eleven minutes, eleven minutes, eleven and fifteen minutes, and it was just guys didn't like that. And players were vocalizing that in press conferences about, you know, rotations, guys trying to get theirs, guys complaining about minutes. Davies Breton spoke about it, guys complaining about minutes and their role. And it's tough when you got all these guys who want to play and then the minutes are sporadic and 
Some guys get 15, some guys get 11. It's hard to get in a groove like that. Guys want to be on the court. So when that condensed, it got better. And they look better right now. You know, the schedule's a little easier, but they look better right now. Yeah, Davis Bertans has already mentioned that exact thing in, you know, like when he first got introduced to the Mavericks. I think it was after his first game, he talked about, well, you know, it's it's hard when the minutes are, you know, you're not you don't know where they're coming from and a bunch of different guys and some guys don't know their roles and things like that. Um, I think him and Dinwiddie both came out and kind of threw shots at the, at the Wizards a little bit. Do you think that those shots were warranted, Ed, or do you think that those were uh, he, he's just kind of talking out of school because he was not playing well? Oh, they 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 definitely were. Um, warranted or not? I, I, I think they, they definitely were. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he definitely wanted to get some things off his chest. Bertans as well. Uh, Montrezl Harrell also said some things on Twitter as well. We, we already know he's a guy that's going to go out there and, and get his emotions and, and go on social media and say different things. Um, but yeah, these guys, they did not like each other. Um, I don't think they liked the coach either, Wes Unsell Jr., um, I think everybody was happy to leave. That's why we were so happy for Dinwiddie to, to leave and, and Bertans to leave as well. Nothing. To, I think all these guys are nice guys, but just the chemistry and the playing time, it was very, very toxic. It got very ugly. Um, Bertans and, and Denny got into an altercation. Um, Montrose Harrell and, and KCP got into an altercation. Dinwiddie and Bill, they just didn't get along on, on the court. You, you could just tell. We had a coach almost fight a fan. Um <laughs> Stuff just hit the fan, honestly. It was toxic to the point where we just needed to start over. And that's why this trade, getting Bertans and Dinwiddie out of the locker room and, and just off the team for Porzingis, we could have traded them for anybody. We could have traded those guys for Max Keebler. And I think we all Wizards fans would have been excited just because these guys are leaving. That's how bad it got to that point. Maxie's Maxie's actually good. So that would have been a great yeah. trade for you guys if you were able to right. get Maxie. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah, it's it was bad. It got really bad. And the shots, same with Montrez. When we spoke about Montrez Harrell and his comments, it's I mean, I'd say it's true. I don't think anybody's lying. I could tell every fan could tell the fans weren't having fun watching, and you could tell the players weren't having fun playing. And I not surprised that guys were complaining about minutes, complaining about their roles, etc., and touches, because it was true. You had a lot of guys. And only one pie. And it's hard to feed everybody and have them be full. So I'm sure I was not surprised. I was always waiting for the tea to be spilled when the trades went by. Because when situations like this with teams, it always happens. The tea spills. Everybody has their shots to throw. But it was bad. It was ugly. Then what he said, he tried to step up. They The guys shut it down. They didn't care. They didn't, I, I guess, didn't like them. I don't know. He's a cryptocurrency guy. Maybe he has a <laughs> smartest guy in the room complex that guys hate. Oh, I the, don't know. the Mavs don't have anybody like that. The, <laughs> no one in the front <laughs> office, no one in the organization, not even an owner that that acts like that. No, no, they have, they have nobody like that. So he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be him and Cuban are gonna be a great fit. I was gonna say him and Cuban are definitely gonna talk. We talked about that when the Mavs the Mavs almost signed him in the offseason. If they hadn't re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr., they were going to sign. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie probably, and so uh, yeah, we thought we joked about. Well, is that going to be a benefit for for Dinwiddie? Like, would he want to come just because he could talk to Cuban about crypto? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. it's 
Yeah, I, he. I remember he tried to get something with his currency on the jersey patch or something like that. So <laughs> well, he tried to change his contract to be paid in in Bitcoin, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, so he's a big. I know him and Cuban are big crypto buddies. So hopefully that works out for him on the outside of basketball thing as well. Maybe they can get it popping with you know currency with the Mavs as well and all of that. But it's it's it'll be. An interesting fit, I think. I, I'm definitely. I've been keeping up with the stats to see how Dinwiddie and Bertans play have played with the Mavericks, and I will continue to do it because I want to see maybe if it was just the Wizards' fit, or maybe these guys. I want to know if these guys are truly washed, or was it just the situation <laughs> they were in in DC? I'm very, and I'm very curious. It's similar with the Mavericks. Is KP going to be available now and dropping all these games and playing consistently? And it's like, uh, well, where was that at in Dallas these last three years? Is it going to be that kind of situation? Dinwiddie has played – he's only played two games. So we're right. it's a really small sample size we're talking mm -hmm. about with these guys. But from what we've seen from him so far, he's played incredibly passive. I We have not really seen him try to attack very much or try to take over very much, try to do some of the things that Ed was talking about earlier. And now when you're saying he didn't play well with, with Beal, he's really playing it conservative – playing next to Luca, and at times Jason Kidd has even played him next to Luca and Brunson, which I think is a, is a weird lineup, and I don't think that they'll stick with that for much longer, but uh, I, that it makes sense now that he he didn't play well with, with Beal. He was nervous about how that relationship would go, so he's like, hey, Luca, I'll, I'll keep passing to you. Like, I'll make the right pass. I'll make the right read. He's really trying to go in that opposite direction, at least early on so far. Yeah, I think Dinwiddie has an issue with balancing I felt like he had an issue with finding that balance between being aggressive and being passive. Mm. When Brad wasn't there, he was just full on getting my shots up, attacking. When Brad was there, it's like, oh, I want to be more of a facilitator. I want to try to get 10 assists, you know. But then the shooting, you got two shots up, and it's the third quarter now heading into the fourth, and you got four points. So it, I think he always struggled to find that balance, and I think that's mainly because He's not a true natural point guard. That's not what he is. You know, so I think him off the bench will definitely help where maybe he'll start to get in that aggressive groove and try to put the ball in the basket because that's what he was good at in Brooklyn. Let's go back with Davis Berton. So Tommy Shepard gave him this contract, right? Like he gave him this long contract. And it was at the time like, oh, okay, he's a shooter, shoots, you know, over 40% from three. That's the going rate, right? The Tim Hardaway is the... Josh Harris, you know, the, the Joe Harris is the, you know, guys like that. We're getting that type of money. What was it about Davis Bertans that, you know, he proved to the Wizards to give him to give him that level of a contract? Yeah. And before we get to Bertans, we're going to get to a quick word from Price Picks. With the yes, we are. Guys, all right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app. Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and we know you will too. You pick two to five players in an over slash under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from point score to rebounds, even steals. Price Picks allows Mixed sports entries, you can go James, LeBron James over in points. And when football comes back, Mahomes under in passing yards. And Price Picks doesn't just offer NBA. They have 
options on the college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 free if a player on your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Guys, I do want to thank you all for making Locked On Wizards your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So, Nick... Re-ask that question for us. It was a Davies Bertans question. Why did they give him the contract? Why they gave him the contract? Well, Dude, he bamboozled us. Yes, he bamboozled <laughs> us. All of us. Why I did? Mean, what, was it just smoke and mirrors? Like, how did he trick the Wizards he, into giving him that contract? The, the the clip I always see floating around when a Davies Berton name pops up, or is that Hornets game, that 2019 that Hornets game where he was just insane. And it's like, oh, I hope this guy, that guy is gone. I don't know, maybe <laughs> he'll come back in Dallas, but that man is gone. He's no longer exists. He doesn't, he does not exist anymore. I mean, maybe you guys will get, it, maybe it was just the Wizards and he'll get back to that form with the Mavericks, but he was consistent, which he hasn't been. He'll have one good shooting game, and then a one for seven shooting game right after that is inconsistent. It's annoying. So once you start missing your threes, which is what you're paid to do, you have one job because that makes the defensive liability less annoying because you're such a, a true threat from the three point line. Nobody really cares about you being a defensive liability. But if you stop making those threes and you stop shooting consistently, it becomes an issue. And Yes, he can say all oh, what he want about the Wizards and playing time. He had open shots still, and he missed a lot of open shots after that 2019 season. Like, he came into camp out of shape that um, last season. He came in out of shape. It was just bad. So, after that contract, I mean, it, it was just bad. But great on his agent, though. Great job, agent. <laughs> yeah. Davies, yeah, his agent definitely should get the uh, agent of the year. Um, Davies, there was a playoff game against the Sixers where he had zero points, zero rebounds, um, zero assists, and six fouls. He fouled out of the game. He had a uh, quadruple zero game. Mm -hmm. um, so Tony, the Tony Snell. Yep. Yeah, the Tony Snell. Type <laughs> game. 
So, Davies, yeah, when he's hot, he's on. Uh, he, he had a couple clutch shots in the beginning of the year. Um, but other than that, when he's off, man, he's off. And he's taking some really bad – it's not it's not about him missing. It's the shot selection, too. Sometimes it, it just looks like he's shooting the ball with his eyes closed. Um, he'll come off a screen and just jack it up. So the shot selection was bad. I think with you guys, the shot selection will be better and the, he'll get some more open shots because Dinwiddie mm-hmm. was not creating a lot of open shots for guys since mm-hmm. he was so slow. Luka is going to be able to create shots for him. Some of those corner mm-hmm. threes that Davies is really, really good at. Um, and before we, you know, we had a guy like a Russell Westbrook, we had a guy like a John Wall, who John Wall didn't play with Bertans, but, you know, Russell Westbrook was able to get Bertans a lot of open shots because, you know, Russ is going 100,000 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So he is going to get open shots for shooters where we just didn't have a facilitator on the roster at all. So some of it is Berton's fault, and then some of it is, you know, Tommy Shepard because he's he's a one-trick pony. He's, he's He only has one NBA skill, which is what Wes Unsell Jr. said as well, and he can't play defense. So that's why he collected DMPs because Wes Unsell Jr. is a defensive-minded coach. Um, and if you can't play defense, you can't make shots, you can't rebound, you can't make assists, you can't, you know. <laughs> you run out of things. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know, you just have a, you have a seat next to the coaches or at the end of the bench. So I, I think he will play, play better because Luke is going to be able to give him spoon feed him and give him easier shots. Same thing with Brunson. He'll be able to give him easier shots. Yeah. And I'm not sure his role is, is more defined for the Mavericks. I think his role on the court is definitely more defined for the Mavericks, right? He's, he's doing just, he's catch and shoot, right? You know, run around a couple screens here and there. I think that that's all they're going to ask him to do, but um, his minutes are probably going to still be, different you know depending on the matchup any given night because he is a defensive liability through two games we have we have seen the the gambit of of him as a defensive liability um with Spencer Dinwiddie and you mentioned that that he's a a defensive liability as well or that he hadn't played great defense um in the in the great games from Dinwiddie what have you seen that he's he's brought to the court but on both ends um the good games they were they feel like so long ago um, but I do remember the 27-point game he had against the Magic where he was controlling the floor. And mm-hmm. he did have a couple games. He had one game where he had 10 points and zero assists. There was like a streak of three games where he had zero – he had 10, 10 assists and zero turnovers. He had a streak of two or three games where he did not have a turnover, and he actually had a, he had a solid amount. Of, he had like seven assists, eight assists, and no turnovers. Um, if you do want to slow the game down, he's fine with that. Getting guys set up in a half-court offense, that's fine. Um, the things that he does well is there were some games where he did have some clutch games in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. He was super, super that Celtics clutch. game, huge threes. Yeah. Um, Pacers Miami game Heat early. Game. Yeah, yeah. It was a couple games early. He was, mm-hmm. so if you're looking for a guy that's not scared to take a big shot, that's one mm-hmm. thing. His confidence, he has confidence. That's mm-hmm. one thing. I think that's why he butted heads with some guys. Cause he does have, um, confidence of an all-star player, even though he's not an all-star player. That's one thing I will say. He's not scared to take to take a game-winning shot. And actually, at, at times, he was a better clutch player than Bradley Bill because Bradley Bill would turn the ball over basically mm-hmm. almost every time in the clutch. And Spencer didn't. We had to give him the ball in the clutch in the beginning of the season. He was the guy making – I know Luka's probably going to take clutch shots, but if Luka – if he has a lot of pressure on him, double-team, triple-team, I think Spencer – I would say Spencer is a guy that you probably could rely on to make a big three with two minutes left, with a minute left. Yeah, they, they probably will, you know, rely on him at, at a certain point. If if Luca is double triple team, him and having him and Brunson on on the floor is is a big benefit for the Mavericks, which is one of the reasons why I think that they made this specific trade 
um, to get somebody like that. They've been looking for another ball handler, somebody off the bench that can can play on his own, that can get his own shot, somebody else that can dribble. Just anyone, like literally anyone else that can dribble is something the Mavs desperately needed. So, uh, yeah, so I think all the reasons you guys – you guys mentioned it, are the reason why they, they brought him in, plus the flexibility and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. and I, I would say some of his lobs too. Um, he he would try to throw some lobs to Gafford. They didn't work, but I guess you know guys like Dwight Powell, he'd probably be able to get them set up with some lobs. So I think he would be he he he's solid at doing that. Yeah, I think Dinwiddie, the beginning early. One thing I will say about Dinwiddie, you cannot speed him up. He plays his game, you know. That slow methodical, he plays it. You know, he he's definitely confident. Like Ed said, he'll take those big threes, etc., and he'll hit some. He definitely will hit some. He hit some big shots for the Wizards. I think that next to Luca, if he's needed, he can get the job done. I don't think he'll be in that number two spot anymore that he was with the Wizards because he was brought in to be that number two guy next to Bradley Bill, replacing Russ. And maybe that was too much for him. It'll be less of that pressure in Dallas. You know, like you said, they got Brunson, they got Luka. So maybe it'll be a little easier for him. He won't be as heavily relied upon like he was with the Wizards. But defensively, he was okay. I mean, he wasn't locked down. He wasn't terrible. I wouldn't say he was terrible, but he wasn't really that decent either. And offensively, like I said, beginning, he was good. Towards the end, passive, couldn't find that balance, just too many issues. And like I said, maybe it'll be corrected in Dallas. Yeah, and in the ACL thing, there was a report that yeah. they wanted to let him sit the first 15 games of the season, mm. um, but they just let him play it out. They, they did the back-to-back sit out the first or second game of the back-to-back, yeah. um, and then they stopped doing that. Now he's playing back-to-backs. Um, so from a health standpoint, but he just, he doesn't look like the guy in Brooklyn. Like he, you're not going to get any athletic finishes around the rim or any dogs. Very, very below the rim guy right now. Which he needed some of that athleticism and in Brooklyn, he was a, you know, he was a borderline all-star that one year, right. Yeah. When the, when the nets were, were really good, it was like him or D'Angelo Russell, who's going to make the, you know, the all-star game and, and Russell ended up making it. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, they get him back to to that kind of a form, how they use him, and they don't have a lot of time to to figure this out, right? They're they're really having to put him in and get him into the, the stretch run. Um, what else are you guys thinking about about Chris Porzingis? Are you feeling uh, him him and Brad Beal are going to fit well together? Because the, the fit with him and Luca was just kind of like it was kind of odd at points. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. yeah. But before we do get to that, we'll get to a quick word from Bet Online. Football may be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online when their game starts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. 
Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, to answer your question about Brad and Porzingis' fit, I think it could work, definitely. It'll be interesting to see a front court guy that's the second guy on the team because Bradley Bale has been John Wall, has been Russell Westbrook. His front court guys were Markeith Morris, Otto Porter, Marcin Gortat. He's never really been that like guy who could be dominant down there, down low. Or in the front court. He's never had an all-star type of guy down there in the front court. So it's been backcourt. So I think it definitely can be interesting. Them in the pick and roll game. I think that could be interesting. I think Porzingis taking advantage of mismatches in the post. I think that could open up more catch and shoot opportunities for Bally Bill and other guys on the team in general. Who taking advantage of mismatches in the post? I, I mean, I I seen because Porzingis did say that you know him sitting around at the three-point line that's not really you know he didn't really he wasn't fond of that so i take that as maybe he wants to get down low in the post a little bit more possibly but according to nick hey that didn't happen much in dallas you got to do something when you're down there right like you got to <laughs> prove that you can actually hit those shots I, I i watched porzingis several times get taken out of a game you know in the post by Derek jones jr Right. Like, and if you're getting taken out of a game by, you know, somebody like that, a wing like that on that level, that it, it, that was one of the things that, you know, oh, if he could take advantage of these mismatches, you know, the Mavs can play a little bigger against teams and still have that same kind of spacing. It just never, it just never like meticulated. Like, it just never happened for him. Um, and you'd see Charles and Shaq on, on inside be like, you know, big guy, get him down, get him down low, feed him down low. It just never happened. Like he just, he can't take advantage. His, his lower body isn't strong enough for him to take advantage of mismatches. We, we saw it a little bit more this season than we did in the past. Like last year it was just not at all. I mean, he just got completely taken out of the Clipper series. And that's the reason why he was in the, he was stuck in the corner in that Clipper series last year is because he couldn't take advantage of any of those mismatches. He couldn't do anything in the mid post or close to the post range. And uh, and so that was was one of his problems. Maybe, you know, feeding him a little bit more in Washington, he's probably going to get some more touches than he did in Dallas. Maybe that unlocks it a little bit. But we're playing the if game again with him. Yeah, we definitely wanted to ask you, you know, what went wrong in that Clippers series. Um, you definitely touched on it right there. But um, the fit, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll. Um, you know, I, I, for some reason, it didn't work out with Luca. But I think it's a guy. Porzingis is a guy that's going to attract some defensive attention. A double team, if he can get hot and get going, and they can take some of the pressure off of Bradley Bill. Uh, that two man game, throw, you know, getting Porzingis some lobs, uh, getting him to post up in the paint, you know, get some, get some um, good post position down there as well. And um, it, has Porzingis been running the floor well? You know, because I think we want to push the pace. You know, we got Ish Smith now at the point, so he's a guy that really wants to push the ball. No, <laughs> you're not pushing the floor at all with Christoph Porzingis. Um, he'll hit some trailing threes. Like that's that's probably yeah. the, some of the most fun parts of his game is you know hitting those trailing threes. Um, 
you know, hitting him for lobs here, here and there, but not super often um, when he's trailing and things like that. But um, the, the things that when, when Luca and KP were working really well together, it looked really good. They had a, when they had a rhythm and it was okay. KP screens and then he pops and then Luca drives a little bit and he rolls back and then KP dives and he throws a pass to it, like a bullet pass to him. And then he dunks. It's like, Oh my gosh, these guys really have something going there. But KP is a real rhythm player. You're going to hear him talk a lot about needing the ball in specific moments, needing his minutes in specific times, needing, you know, his rhythm to get going, especially for his shooting. And when you're just out constantly like that, it's hard to get in a rhythm with anything. And so when those moments came where Luca and KP were, were actually hitting on all cylinders, it looked awesome. And then it would just end a couple games later because he was out with an injury or, you know, for, for various other reasons, or he was not hitting his threes or something like that. And so, uh, so yeah, that, that's what it ended up with, with, with Borzingis. But to, to elaborate a little more about the Clippers series, it was an entire season of built up Carlisle, not being able to trust Porzingis in moments. And so it wasn't just that while the Clippers are taking him out of this series, let's just throw a a, a player that has been very effective the rest of the season into the corner for no reason, right? That seems like at times what it got labeled as and what the narrative became is that Carlisle just shoved him into the corner, you know, a seemingly productive player on all other accounts. That was not the case last year with Porzingis. There were, there were many moments last year where the Mavs just could not trust him. And they, you know, sometimes wouldn't close games with him. They were, they at times weren't closing games with him this year. They would bring him back with like a minute left or a minute 30 left or something like that. But they weren't necessarily closing games all the time with him. And they had, they had experimented not closing with him at all. And so it was just an entire year of pent up, you know, okay, well, we can't trust him in the post. He can, you know, he can't get his own shot in almost any way. Right. So if you can't get your own shot, and you can't score in the post that well against wings and the Clippers, all they have is wings and the pick and roll stuff is not working well. Cause they're just switching everything and he's getting taken out by, I mean, it just became, that's what he had to do. And that's what Carlisle was kind of forced for him to do uh, at that point. Jason Kidd tried to feed him a little bit more and tried to get him more involved. And so then he became, you know, a, definitely a better defender this year. That's, that's probably the, the part of his game that's improved the most over the last couple of years is he's, he's got back to being a better defender but uh, the offensive end, it just last year it wasn't it wasn't working out at all. He's he was definitely better this year than he was last year. But that's what happened last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Would so to speak on that defensive side of things, would you say he's better at the four or at the five? Where would you have him? Yeah, his his best his best value as 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 a help defender, right? Is coming over and blocking shots. He's he's not going to mm-hmm. be able to defend the. Jokic's the Embiid's the you know the guys like that nobody defends them really but he can't even stand next to those guys really because he's just not strong enough he gets pushed off of his spot a lot he can stand in there but he's gonna foul and you know things like Mm -hmm. that so for them and but he has become a better rim protector this year against you know some of the teams that are just gonna try and go at the paint and go at the paint he can stand in there and defend at the rim for sure uh, for some of the teams that drive a lot now teams that post up and do that he struggled against that so you know, for the Mavs, it was like, all right, well, this is a player we can't play against, you know, teams that are wing heavy or teams that have big, uh, you know, like big centers that are going to, you know, abuse him in the post. And so I was like, okay, well, then where is he actually helping us on defense, right? And it was just mm-hmm. against the, you know, the Thunders and the Magics and the, you know, the things like that, that he looked awesome against some of those teams. But he's been he's been better this year as a shot blocker. He's moving a lot better. He used to get just, just destroyed in pick and rolls and he's gotten a little bit better at that. He's still not going to do very well in pick and rolls against guards and and things like that. But as a weak side, you know, shot blocker, help defender, he's really really good in that in those areas. Yeah. Uh so 
because the Wizards have right now, currently, if they put him at the four, that will move Kuzma to the three because Kuzma's playing the four. And then they have Thomas Bryant currently, but I think Daniel Gafford will be at the five. So do you need a big, a five who can shoot for him to be at the four? Would you have somebody preferably at the five who shoots threes? Oof. Um, man, I don't know. The The Mavs, that was another one of the problems is there were so many times on Lockdown Mavs we would talk about, okay, well, the Mavs, can they go after this player? You know, Gafford even, the Mavs would talk about, can we go after, could they go after Gafford? You know, he's going to be a free agent. And he said, well, can you play him next to Porzingis? Kind of, not really. And it just became, there's a bunch of different players that you can't really play next to Porzingis. He, at, for, to be at his best, I think he has to be the five, right? And you're limited in, in those areas, but he plays his best when he's the five and he's got a very mobile player next to him that can defend in space, that can defend you know, at, in space and at the rim, really. He needed like a prime Serge Ibaka type player. Um, mm-hmm. and Maxi Kleba was that at times he, he can, he can step out and defend and he can defend at the rim a little bit. And so that's why that, that duo worked the best for the Mavs when, um, when him and Porzingis were playing together, but, um, man, playing next to just a, a non-shooting, a non-shooting five like that is going to be interesting. That's going to be a real interesting fit. I think the the Thomas Bryant one, if he can shoot a little bit more is, uh, is a little more interesting, but you don't need, I don't think you need a shooting big man next to Porzingis, but it's, depends on what your goal is right like what is your goal for as a team are you trying to win the title no there's there's no chance if you're gonna have that starting you know front court but if you just want to you know make the play impossibly then yeah that could work definitely so how was um i know you got to interview porzingis a couple times i got to know him a little bit personally you know now with this team we got to know the guy's character because of the dysfunction we have in the locker room on and off the court um, how was he, you know, how was his relationship, do you think, with Luka Doncic? Um, and also, um, you know, how was how is he off the court just getting to know him? We know that, you know, there's rumors about his brothers that were his agents. You know, did, did they have any friction with the uh, Mavericks front office? And then, you know, we've seen that he, um, you know, got into an altercation at a bar a couple of years ago. Is there any red flags or any things that you've heard or, you know, seen? Yeah, some of those things are, you know, the the off the court things. There's a couple of red flags, but I don't think that stuff ever, you know, trickled into his on court play or anything like that. The 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 problems with him and Luca were more about jealousy, role on the court, things like that. They were fine, like they, they were fine together. They were fine in in their relationship and their in them being teammates and coworkers, right? Like, um, you know, they they worked together. They were okay with, um. You know, they were okay playing together. It just, it was not, they were not best friends, right? Like, they were not the, what was it, the Step Brothers movie where they're like, did we just become best friends? It's like, <laughs> no, like, that was not them. They they never clicked on that level that, like, Luca and Boban did or Luca and, you know, some, some of these other players or even Brunson, him and Brunson have or him and Maxi. They just didn't click on that level. And so, yeah, there are some weird things with Porzingis, but he was awesome with the media. Like, he's he's a really good interview. He was a good guy to talk to after games if he you know when he comes in and, and sits down and talks he's going to say something right he's going to give you mm-hmm. something that um that you can use and he's going to speak his mind he's going to be honest he's going to take the hits too if he plays a bad game and the you know the team does put him in front of the media i know that you know, every every media does it differently so he doesn't it's not always on him whether he's going to come out but um he would come out after a bad game and admit you know i got to be better we you know these things blah 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 and so uh so yeah i think that was that was great the coaching staff and everybody had nothing bad to say about him coming out of it so that he worked really hard to get back on the court, always worked hard to 
to fit in and things like that. He was excited about the Mavs. He did ask for a trade at the end of last season, at the end of that, that Clipper series, because of the way that it had gone with Carlisle. But then when Carlisle was out, he decided, you know, it was okay to try and make it work with Jason Kidd. And it worked out better for him, I think, under Kidd than it did under Carlisle. I think he liked him better. Uh, and so maybe it works well with Wes Unsell Jr. I will have one more question for you, Nick. As an outsider, do you think the Wizards should blow it up? Yes or no? Blow up what is my question? Like what what is what is the infrastructure? Because see, this is a great question. This is a great question. What blow up what? It's well, the just, Wizards just Brad Beal, right? Yeah, like yeah. the Wizards are an organization that refuses to tank. They don't really go in a direction like even right now they shut Bradley Beal down. So you would think the natural goal is to you try to get the best lottery odds positions. And they are more of a, let's try to go get that playing team. Like, yes, guys, organizations will say that, but they won't mean that. But the Wizards legitimately mean that. Like, they want to get the playing. They don't want the best odds in the draft, which I think is insane because that's the Wizards' issue as an organization. They float too much around that average level. So when I say blow it up, now, I mean, you can't trade Brad. I mean, that time has passed. Blow it up as in, would you let Brad just walk? Because that's completely just tearing it down at that point. That's admitting to complete rebuild. Your star's gone. Would you let him walk? Oof, that's tough. He is a free agent this offseason. Man, if I was the Wizards this year, I think I would have just tried to start selling off those pieces. I, th- I guess they did with Montrezl Harrell. Maybe they tried with KCP. They did with, with Dinwiddie, I guess. But start selling off those pieces. And then, yeah, I think I think I would make that big move. The problem is that Wizards don't have somebody to build around, right? I, for all the for all the good that Denny Avdia is, and he can be a really great player in the league. There you go. I just I just <laughs> I covered you for all the. I know you guys have a lot of Israeli fans. Shout out to all of you. Uh, but I don't think that's the guy that you're building around. He's not like the centerpiece of a rebuild. Um, you know, Rui Hachimura at times has looked like that, but I'm not, I'm not sure coming back from injury that he is that guy that you build around. He's probably like a tertiary or whatever the fourth option word is of that. Uh, and so you got to find a way to get that piece. You got to find a way to get the the Luka Doncic, the Trey Young, the you know somebody like that. And uh, and I'm not even sure that Bradley Beal is that guy. Are you guys still sold on on Bradley Beal being that one guy that you build around on a team? Mm-hmm. You know, after the after the uh, 35 point uh, loss debacle. De- debacle, to- yes, good word. Debacle, yes. <laughs> that that the, the 35 Clippers man. Those are one of those, even the Bradley Bill truthers. That was the night. I don't know if you were on Twitter, Nick, where Wizard Spaces was like, it was like 2,000 <laughs> people in there. That's like, even the way, even the biggest Wizards truthers, you know, the fan base, they couldn't even defend them. I mean, because you're talking about getting all this money, and we're talking about a lot of money. A lot. And you can't outplay Coffee and um, Luke Kennard. It's just. Nah, man. I'm sorry. Like that's not it. That's unacceptable. This go ahead. This this current Clippers team like puts a lot of teams in existential crisis, right? Like you lose Mm -hmm. that Clippers team, and you're like, oh my god, do we suck? Like (laughs) 35 points though, Nick is like that's. I mean, that don't happen. Like that just doesn't. I don't. The last time that happened was a yeah, like a long time ago. It's just you can't get expected to be a max player and just be like good enough like he was good but he didn't take over a game like Damian Litter um 
James Harden, even though he's struggling this season, but James Harden, Kyrie Irving, guys like that, they take over a game. Those are guys that you're like, you just throw your hands up. Like, what do you do? You can't do anything about it. Bradley Bill, he had a game back in Detroit where he stepped on the half-court line, and that game went to overtime. He ended up stepping on the half-court line for a backcourt violation late game, and that's one of the Wizards fans' biggest gripes with him is he struggles late games at times, will turn it over. So, no, I'm not sold that he's a number one, he's a number two, or a number three. You know, and that's what majority of teams are trying to get him to be, you know, a number three guy or a number two guy. Wizards are the only organization treating him as a number one. I'm ready for the sign and trade to the Mavs this offseason. I'm ready for <laughs> I'm ready for him to turn down the player option, do it, do the sign and trade to the Mavs, him be the second guy. How would you think how do you think he would play next to Luca? I think it will be I think it will be really good. I mean just send be Dinwiddie his... back in the deal. <laughs> yeah, like I I was be <laughs> that'll be another great point guard. I mean, yeah, John was really good at his peak. Russ, Hall of Famer, and then Luca, you know, looking like a Hall of Famer. So it will be a really good fit. I think maybe from the All-Star game, look like you guys, him and Jokic, Doncic and Jokic had a little bromance going on. So he could be that guy. Both Locked on Mavs and Locked on Nuggets did a segment about their bromance. And both both sides were like, well, what if they can get the other one? And it's like, why don't they just, they should just fuse the two franchises together. Just fuse Denver and Dallas together and they'll win the title that way. Yeah, it's part because Jokic is what? Summer 2023 free agent? Yeah, it's, it's coming up. Yeah, so that, that'll definitely be interesting. But, Ed, do you have any more questions for Nick? No, I think we covered everything. We um, stole uh, Porzingis, what's left of him, and gave him Raton's <laughs> contract to do what he's <laughs> Stole what's left of him. Yeah. That's like if you were looting and you're just like, you, you're like I'm just going to grab as much stuff as I can. And you got home and you're like, damn, what did I even get? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pulling stuff out of a bag going, I don't need this VCR. Like, how did I get <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely so it's it was it's fun you know it'll be fun it'll be interesting on both sides to see how both ends of the trades work out see who made a mistake who made the right choice i think regardless was just made the right choice period <laughs> um it's more of a question for mavs fans to see if it's more of the same with kp or if it's like where is this where was this at these last three years is as far as the wizards bertans then no matter how they play i'm glad the wizards got off of them but yeah, um, Nick, anything to shout out? Shout out to Chris Porzingis in Washington. I hope he does well. I hope I hope he hope he has a you know I hope he has a good career there, and I hope that the games where he plays really well, you guys are going to be singing his praises, and the games when he's out, you're going to be lamenting that you traded for the contract. Yeah, it's it was similar. We had that feeling with Russ. Russ was like games where it's like ah, oh, Russ killing him. He's doing amazing. Then it was games like. Oh my God, what is this dude doing? It's so, and it'll be different because it'll be KP is great. KP, where are you? Why aren't you on the court again? You've been gone. I mean, so it's, it's, it'll be interesting for sure. You know, the health stuff, injury prone label, you never know. You, you really never know. Cause I mean, Brad, back in the day, he, he was kind of like an injury guy. Like, he used to be injured a lot, like back, back when his younger days. Yeah, we'll definitely try to get the uh, Porzingis rap song that came out a couple years ago in the intro when he does good. (laughs) But, uh, Nick, we want to thank you for coming on before we do wrap up. this. Thanks for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NBA 
Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Nick, we want to thank you for coming on once again. You guys can subscribe to him on Locked On Mavericks on YouTube, iTunes, wherever you guys can find a podcast. You guys can subscribe to us on Locked On Wizards on YouTube. Make sure you guys hit the notification bell. And hail to the Wizards. Peace. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.